and welcome to Your Favourite Teacher. I'm Miss Shaw and today we're going to have a look at the structure of William Shakespeare's Macbeth. I'm going to give you a brief overview, followed by act-by-act act structural analysis and then finishing off with Shakespeare's specific structural techniques. So you should all know by now that the play consists of five acts and that is structured like most classical dramas. Macbeth is one of Shakespeare's shortest plays and is very fast paced and that is reflected by the kind of short scenes that you see in some acts compared to the longer scenes in others and I'll go into that in a little bit more detail later on. There is no real subplot, only one main plot which is Macbeth's desire to become the king. You can split this into a two-part structure. You've got the crime and everything leading up to that crime, and that's obviously Macbeth killing Duncan. And then you've got the consequences of that crime for the rest of the play. And you can break it down even further into Freytag's pyramid, where you've got exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, and resolution. The structure also helps Shakespeare to develop the characters. So Macbeth starts off as very honourable and moral, but he is corrupted by his ambition. Lady Macbeth is the opposite of Macbeth. She starts off very cruel and remorseless and then ends up full of guilt. So let's go into the different acts and give you a little bit more depth. Act one is focused all around Macbeth becoming the king. Shakespeare uses the witches and Lady Macbeth to fuel Macbeth's ambition to become the king. So that's your exposition and it gives you like an idea of the setting, obviously in this case Scotland, the different characters and the situation that they're in. Remember I said there's no real subplot. So act one really just kind of sets the scene for us and we understand Macbeth is about to be crowned king as per the witches' predictions and he's doing everything within his power to do that with obviously the influence from Lady Macbeth. Moving on to act two, this is the act where Duncan is actually killed and Macbeth is crowned king. So we could argue that this is actually the climax of the play, even though it doesn't come um, right in the middle of the play. It happens fairly early on. And also this is the act where there's lots of short scenes in comparison to the slightly longer ones that we see later on. So for example, act two, scene four is a very, very minor scene. And this comes after... Duncan's been murdered and you see the porter which is a minor character or who is a minor character so Shakespeare cleverly uses the porter to provide comic relief for the audience after witnessing the murder of the king so the porter does all of these knock knock jokes and makes it's quite crude comments as well and Shakespeare's done that he's used that structural device to add a little bit of comedy after the killing of Duncan because the audience of the time would have been very, very shocked to see that portrayed on the stage. Remember, King James of Scotland at the time was very, very wary and scared of witches and witchcraft. So for the audience to see witches making these predictions and Macbeth acting on those predictions, it would have caused a lot of kind of hysteria and, and kind of fright for the audience. So by Shakespeare putting that scene in straight after the murder of Duncan, it kind of lightens the mood and the atmosphere um, from the audience. So act two, you also have the kind of rising action and then the climax of the play as well. Act three is where you've got the turning point and that's also the middle of the play. So you've got Macbeth and Lady Macbeth feeling very, very insecure about Macbeth's shaky position of power. So you've kind of got the climax where he's killed the king and he then gets crowned king. Then all that we've got left to come is Macbeth figuring out how he can keep his title, 
how he can maintain and uphold being the king. So in order to do this, he plans the murder of his best friend Banquo. He can't do it himself, so he hires the murderers to do it. And that is quite a long, drawn-out scene where you see Macbeth mimicking Lady Macbeth and kind of using lots of derogatory language and, and manipulating the murderers into doing what he wants to be done because he can't do it himself. He sees Banquo's ghost once he is killed, which marks his downfall because he starts to get even more paranoid about being found out. In Act 3, Scene 5, we have Hecate, the goddess of magic, who meets with the witches to ruin Macbeth. She's actually really annoyed that the witches went ahead and gave predictions without her say-so first. So now she's kind of angry and, and wants to put Macbeth into his place. And she says, security is mortal's chiefest enemy, which basically means Macbeth believing he's invincible is actually his downfall. And as I said, that kind of creates the play's turning point. So he's been crowned king and then he's trying desperately to hold on to that power. But we actually see things start to change. A lot of the characters kind of begin to plot against Macbeth or if not plot against him, they kind of question his motives and how he became the king in the first place. Moving on to act four. So we've got Macbeth here meeting with the witches who give him a false sense of security, as Hecate says at the end of act three. And because of that, he has Macduff's family killed. He's getting quite big for his boots here because they've said no one born of a woman shall kill him. Um, but we've also got the Scottish forces beginning to plan against Macbeth. And that becomes your falling action structurally. Then we have Act 5, and the first thing we see in Act 5, Scene 1, is Lady Macbeth sleepwalking and starting to go crazy after the murder of the king. And this is actually a mirror scene, because in Act 1, Scene 5, that is when she asks the spirits to unsex her. She comes across as this very powerful, manipulative woman who's very strong. However, in the mirror scene in Act 5, Scene 1, she's sleepwalking, she's going a little bit crazy... In some interpretations, she appears on stage naked and she's really starting to lose the plot. You've also got the witch's predictions beginning to come true. So Burnham Wood moving towards the castle. It's revealed that from his mother's womb, Macduff was untimely ripped. And that creates the, the denouement, which is the final battle. And Macbeth's death results in peace for Scotland. And then the resolution, if we're following Freytag's pyramid the resolution is Malcolm becoming or Malcolm being crowned king so again it comes across as very peaceful because the rightful king is on the throne okay moving on to part three and Shakespeare's structural devices this is basically looking at his shorter scenes versus his longer scenes and this is a really really good point to make dependent on what scene comes up in the extract in the exam so short scenes are used by Shakespeare to speed up the action but some scenes do contain key information or key moments so for example the porter scene um giving that comic relief for the audience um but yeah generally short scenes especially in act five there's a lot of scenes in act five they kind of speed up the action and kind of see the audience heading towards the the end of the play now the longer scenes are used to build characterization through emotion so Shakespeare really builds up this kind of 
relationship the audience have with the characters and what they're like as as characters so for example act four scene three when malcolm tests Macduff's loyalty by pretending to be an unfit king this is a very long and drawn out scene and you really see Macduff showing his true loyalty and passion about his country and about malcolm being the rightful king and because of that um, we see Macduff as this very strong and powerful character who is able to kind of take down Macbeth as well. And that's just one example. I think no matter what character, if you are given a character in the exam, no matter what character you get given, you can kind of make a connection between one of the longer scenes in the play and this character in terms of Shakespeare's word choice and language choice to create more of an idea or more of an impression for the audience as to what that character is like almost. That's it for the structure in Macbeth. I hope you found the notes that I've given you useful. Make sure you look out for some more podcasts over the next couple of weeks. I'll be looking at lots of different topics. So yeah, hope you find them enjoyable and useful. I'm Miss Shaw. Thanks for listening. <laughs>